So you light bold red wine most of the time With notes of fig and raisin You like a cold brew and pitching horseshoes As the sun is fading You like football games and dishing out nicknames The Godfather's one and two But not so fast, we got them podcast We like that too we like that too. We like that too. We like that too. We like that too. Hey, Bon Vivants! Welcome back to the We Like That Too podcast. I'm Brad Jones. Back in the happy confines of the Bon Vivant International Media Center, we've been on the road, have yes, we not, indeed. brother in low? You know, and it's always uh, like sleeping in your own bed. It's always kind of nice to be back at home <laughs> and uh, in the, your home field advantage, I guess you could call it, right? We had quite a time in oh, Music, we had a great music time. City. Oh, my um, goodness. We even did a couple podcasts. We did. You've probably already heard them by now. but <laughs> Yeah, uh, they've heard them by now. Yeah, but, but uh, yeah, what anyway. a good time. We heard some great music. I mean, Nashville's just a fun place. It's a fun be honest it is a fun place and if you can't find something fun to do there well there's just something wrong with you get back in your cave yeah yeah, yeah. it wasn't good yeah we've got an exciting show oh, today man. i cannot wait for this, this is show. gonna be really really cool and we're mixing it up a little bit as far as our bottle review we're kind of going to do something special with it so i'm excited about that right yeah so the whole, the whole show is a bottle review it is in a but way not, yes and no yes you know and no. we're going to talk about the wine but we're going to talk about it in a special from a special approach and uh uh, I don't want to give anything away, so we'll talk about that in a minute. But first of all, big shout out to Mike Moscato at River City Florist for getting this program together for us. That's right. All Thank right. you, Mikey. Yes. He's and, in our studio uh, audience it, today, making up our studio he audience. He is. So. And if you are in beautiful downtown Jefferson City, be sure and stop by Mike Moscato's shop, River City Florist on Madison Street. They not only are a florist, gifts, wine, Wine accoutrement, accoutrement, and uh, glasses. Yeah, say that like a Frenchman. Yeah, you did that really, yeah, really well. Stemware, and the holiday season is coming up. Yeah, it so. is. So remember, River City Florist. Tonight, you and I are going to a special event. We are sponsored by River City Florist. It is not a wine tasting, but wine's going to be involved. It is a wine glass tasting with Riedel wine glasses, Riedel stemware, glassware. You've been to one of these, right? I've been to two of them. I've been to one. I've been to two, and I and I will never forget the first one. I know. You, me you always remember your first, Keith. <laughs> That's what they say. That's right. Was, but the first one I went to, Brenda took me, and I thought, "This is silly. Yeah, I, I this is not going to make any difference of what you're drinking your wine out of." I was an idiot. All right, so let's introduce our, let's awesome. introduce our guest and let him get into why it makes a difference, and we'll go from there. So we have with us today. Doug Reed from Riedel Wine Glass Company. Is that the right the right uh, official name? Yes, yes. Okay. He is going to lead this wine glass tasting event tonight, but we're going to do a mini one here today on the program. I think this is going to be fun. We're going to give everybody just a little bit of a, a, a taste <laughs> of <laughs> of uh, of what you would uh, what you would experience if you went to a Riedel a, a big one, a wine yeah. glass tasting. So, wine glass so, tasting. Doug, before we get into the history of the company and some of the processes and things like that. Tell us what a wine glass tasting is all about and what the purpose of it is, uh, what your goal is, and, and what you find that a lot of people who attend one come away with. 
Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me to come and talk to you today because, uh, you know, it, this uh, sort of completes the trip. Mike and I were reminiscing last night, and this is our 12th Riedel wine glass tasting in Jefferson City wow. over the last 15 years. Wow. So, wow. Uh, he has been a very, very nice supporter of the brand. But also at the very beginning here, let me just say, gentlemen, thank you so much. You don't know how many times I am reminding people that it is Riedel like needle and that Rydell is the high school from Greece. All right. So... <laughs> Um, this is, and trust me, I was in Texas all week last week, and it's just Rydell, Rydell, Rydell. But as George Riedel says, think, you know, when you see that I and the E next to each other in a in an Austrian or a German word, right. think Riesling, think yes. Diesel. Yes. Well, guess what? Riedel. So Riedel. anyway, I always like to throw that in there because I fight that battle everywhere I go. <laughs> well, we're big Riedel fans, and so and and, uh, and own a lot of their stemware, so we know how to pronounce. There it. you go. There you go. Well, yeah, we're going to do the Riedel wine glass seminar tonight and uh it's important for people who are whether you whether you just enjoy wine casually whether you are really into wine um to understand the control the glass has over the process and people are as you mentioned they're hesitant to this idea that the glass can really have uh, a control or sort of predict the outcome of your experience and this is something that the Riedel family has developed um you know the Riedel when we talk about Riedel the brand you are talking about a company 270 years old uh, in our 11th generation of continuous family ownership, but a company that has always been involved in glass production at some level. But really, when we talk about wine glasses and we talk about more specifically what we call varietal specific wine glasses, this mm-hmm. was something that came about in the late 1950s with the ninth generation of the Riedel family, a gentleman named Mr. Klaus Riedel, who you know was in a position in his life where he was making wine glasses in his company and he was exporting them around the world. He was all he, he was also a huge fan of Grand Cru Burgundy. All right, so yeah. imagine now if these are the only two things you have to worry about in life. You know, getting these glasses out the door and enjoying your Grand Cru Burgundy collection. Nice. Well, he started to really. <laughs> noticed that when he would drink his favorite wines from Burgundy out of all of the different sizes and shapes of glasses that he made, there were these differences he was getting. I mean, and you know, you have to remember, um, yes, Klaus Riedel ran the Riedel um, company, and, and but from what I understand was a bit of an architect, a bit of an engineer, certainly yeah. a scientist. So this begged the him to ask the question, why? Why is my wine changing? Because we're not changing the wine. Right. When we drink the same wine, different glass, the wine's not changing, but our experience is. So long story short, which we'll hear more about tonight, this led him down this path of discovery on how the wine glass needs to be a mouthpiece or a loudspeaker for the information that's in the wine. And when we talk about information in our wine, what most people don't realize is that when you look at a glass of wine, you're looking at something that by volume, 99% is alcohol or water. All right. So there's there's such a very small, minuscule amount of information or material in our wine glass that makes up or that holds that information. One percent. Right. So this is why the glass has to be very important. It's funny. Just uh, two weeks ago, I was in New Jersey. Maximilian Riedel, the 11th generation, was doing some tastings and I was at one of his tastings. I heard him say something new that the glass is the conveyor belt, you know, for this information. There you go. Uh, So I, I, I talk about loudspeaker. I talk about mouthpiece, but conveyor belt maybe makes more sense. But it conveys this information. And the other thing that I think the Riedel family has done really well is they've designed glassware that will enhance our experience with wine through our senses. When you think about your senses and you think about – you have them for sort of two polar opposite sets of reasons, right? On one side of your of the equation, you have your senses to keep you from things that aren't good for you, things you don't like. Right. Keep you. But on the other side, and this is the side wine's on over here, it's to help you really enjoy and and understand – the things you love about life right. that you like to taste, look at, see, hear, whatever, through your senses. And so 
all of our glasses are designed to really enhance all of our senses when it comes to the wine process. And one of the things I talk about right away when I do my seminar is what most people don't realize, whether they're thinking about it or not, when they um, are enjoying a glass of wine, and then same as whether you're eating a plate of food or doing whatever, it's your sense of sight that you use first. All right. And if you'll notice, all of our glasses are clear and clean and undecorated. We don't have cuts or designs or things like this, no gold or platinum bands, whatnot. We want to be able to see what's exactly in the glass mm-hmm. because this information process starts with the color of the wine. And I think if you've uh, been around wine, even for just a little bit of time, there's probably some point during the process where someone poured you a glass of wine or opened up a bottle and you looked at it when it went into the glass and you're thinking, I'm not drinking that. <laughs> no. Some of it tends to be older and aged wine. And, well, it's true and there, there are, you know, we, we've talked about this because the, uh, at least our palates and the American, the, the Western palate a lot of times is not used to older aged true. wines. And so they see a little brown tinge and they furrow their brow and think, exactly. Hmm, but, it's still okay. But to your point, yeah. when you see but that But you got to be able to see it in the clear glass. Exactly. Yes, yes. But, but, but to your point, I think when you see maybe that brown or color or whatnot, it starts to warm maybe your expectations up as to what you're going to be getting. Right, All right. Right. And even like with white wines, you know, do we have oak? Do we not have oak? Um, you know, also with white wines, sometimes we can tell, you know, are we drinking something from a warm climate, a cool climate? And, you know, one thing that people don't realize, you know, when you swirl a glass, I'm going to swirl our Pinot Noir glass here. And you watch what we call the legs of wine or the tears of wine come down the inside. Visually, this will give us an idea of alcohol content because these legs will come down thick and slow if we're drinking something elevated. Right. You know, think of a beautiful brandy, you know, or, or, or bourbon in your glass. You see those big, thick, slow legs come yeah. down. So, again, one of these little things that visually maybe we don't think of, but it all plays together. And then, of course, once we get past, you know, looking at the wine, we want to involve our process a little more, right? Well, I want to, I want to slow down just a minute. Okay, sorry. No, that's all right. Cause, cause I want to describe, uh, what our setup is. So the listeners, because this is visual. So, yeah. so we have the same wine and we're going to talk about that wine here in a minute. We have that same wine poured into three different and distinct types of glasses. Yes. And the first one is what we might describe as just a plastic party cup. The tailgater's uh, something friend. Something that you might get at a, uh, the tailgater's <laughs> friend. Great way yeah. to describe it. But even at a, a, a chamber of commerce reception or something where you're just going up to a a bar where there's a free offering of a a cocktail or something and they're putting it in this little plastic v-shaped i I use this this glass in my tasting okay there you go so it was a good choice good choice the second glass is a what i would call a traditional restaurant style wine glass table table wine glass and then the third one is the riedel venom xl i think we we determined was Mm -hmm. the uh new world pinot glass okay Yep, the Vina Metzel wine, and it's, it's a Pinot Noir specific varietal glass. So, yes. All right. So before we get into the, the glass tasting, let's talk about a couple of things. Brad and I are big sommelier movie watchers. We're big movie fans, and we've talked about this, Brad. When you watch those sommelier movie, they're always drinking it. They have bottles sitting everywhere and glasses sitting everywhere, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, and so there are lots of those kind of movies and stuff out there on Netflix, Amazon.com. Where, where do you, you know, where do you go to stream that kind of stuff, Brad? Where are you finding all that stuff? You know, you can get that actually at your local library. What? Yes. <laughs> you can actually, it's, yeah, it's not just books. I mean, no, you no, can, we've you talked can go. about this. And, and our particular library is a Missouri Regional River Library. Right. 
And you can get your card, and they've got a, a program called Canopy. Yeah, Canopy, yeah. In which you can actually get high-quality films that inspire, educate, and entertain. Well, you know us. Much we're, like our show. We're educational and, and informative. Yes. That's right. And so anyway, Canopy is a unique way to uh, select some award-winning indie films yeah. to import, documentaries, which we love. I don't know how you feel about the movie Psalm mm-hmm. 1 and 2. Yeah. You know, if you can make if you can make a uh, a wine test uh, suspenseful and interesting, they I think they pulled that off yeah, pretty well. Yeah, they do. It's a good show. Yeah, so they, anyway, they, but they, you can find that kind of stuff. Thousands of movies, at, right? At the what library. I understand. Yes, that's and right. And you can actually get this streaming service with your basic library card. So You can. So go to your local library and you can uh, check it out. Check it out. Get your card and ours, first. Yeah, our local and, one is the Missouri River Regional Library, and we appreciate their sponsorship of the podcast. So check out the library. Not just a building full of books anymore. That's right. All right. All Great. right. Very good. Okay. So back to uh, the tasting. So let's talk about the wine first. And I think that may serve uh, to set up the, the wine glass mm-hmm. tasting for us. The wine comes from our bottle sponsor, Barvino, beautiful downtown Jefferson City. And Matt Green, the proprietor, when I told him what we were doing today, he went right to his shelf and pulled this off the off the shelf. He said, do a Pinot Noir. He said, I think it will be... The best wine to accentuate the real differences in the glasses. He pulled off a new, it's new to him. It's Flaunt Pinot Noir from Sonoma County. This is a 2019 vintage. The interesting story about Flaunt that Matt told me was it is a Diane Novi wine. Diane Novi was partnered with Adam Lee at Siduri. So if you know Pinot Noirs, you'll be familiar with the Siduri line. They do other things. Diane left Siduri and has ventured out on her own now and uh, has developed several Pinot Noirs. This one's from Sonoma Coast, but she has other appellations. She's got, according to Matt, a great rosé, some nice sparkling wines. And uh, she's not growing grapes. She's buying grapes and making wine with it. But uh, that allows her to do a lot of different things from a lot of different estates and a lot of different vineyards. So keep your eye out for Flaunt wines that's a new one for me yeah this he said it's brand new this this bottle was 39 dollars. i wanted to get a bottle that was what i would call very approachable and very uh mid-range i, I don't want this glass tasting to come off with our bon vivant saying oh that only works on a high-end hundred dollar two hundred dollar bottle of wine no this glass and what it will do to a wine affects every wine not not just the this is true the the expensive ones so. i think it's just the opposite keith i think it takes a, an average you, wine and makes it better you may be correct you know people ask me this all the time they always give me the oh well if i buy the uh you know the two buck you know from uh, whatever uh, is it going to turn it into and, and i always say well i don't know if i would give the glass that much credit but i think what the glass will definitely do is is le- it'll show you exactly what the wine is yes yeah Wherever it's at, yeah. I mean, you'll, it'll show you, and that's honestly why Riedel is. Look, it's it's a winemaker's choice when it comes to glassware. And oh yeah, you know, I love the fact that we we're doing Pinot Noir today because, first of all, let me just tell you that over the last fourteen years of doing all these seminars, I can honestly say I've probably turned more people onto Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. <laughs> you in the movie bottle shop? <laughs> well, yeah, that's true, true, true. well, no, just just by getting them into the right glass. Yeah, and this yeah. is an interesting lineup we have here of glasses. In fact, I love the fact we're using our New World Pinot glass. Because this glass is really emblematic, I think, of the whole Riedel process on how 
glassware is developed. So okay. this shape, in fact, I get this all the time at my seminars because a lot of people own our Venom line, um, which Venom uh, in the real world was patterned around old world style of wine. So in other words, that's why in Venom, we call it the Bordeaux glass, the Burgundy glass, the, you know, whatever. This particular shape was a glass that was derived out of a workshop back about 16 years ago, I believe, with the uh, Pinot Growers Association, Oregon Pinot Growers Association, who were telling the Riedel family that in your existing burgundy glass shapes, we're not getting this uh, information that we're expecting out of your wine, all right, whether it's through the nose or the palate. So through this workshop process, this glass shape was developed. And I want to throw out, since we're in Missouri, one of the very first projects I worked on with Riedel 14 years ago was with the Missouri Wine and Grape Board, and we worked on a glass shape for Norton, which My, is a big uh, rock star. Our good buddy Jim Anderson was there, I yes. believe. Yes. Right? Yes. Jim, yes. Well, and interestingly enough, the the first and only Riedel wine glass tasting event I went to was the introduction of the Norton glass. There you go. Janet and I purchased a set, yep. and we still have them. Well, yeah. it, that, that and, whole, they, and let me tell you what, they, they certainly work for Norton, but they are also very close to perfect for a couple of other varietals um yes. i love to put my sparkling wine in them quite they, frankly they work well that, that particular shape is a is sort of a nice uh intermediate between yeah. our bordeaux shapes and our burgundy shapes and it does work well for a lot of wines it, it looks you know it, it also doubles as our tempranillo glass our Hermitage glass you know your gsms grenache Syrah, Mervedra, all work right, in that glass right. but what was interesting to me it was again this was when i was first starting with Riedel, was seeing this process of how a glass shape is developed because there's this, I think, maybe a bit of misconception that within the Riedel world that the Riedels just put a shape out there and say, well, we think you should drink this out of it. All right. So, so this isn't l- true. let's get into that, but let's do our first, so we can progress sure. through these. Let's do our, our first and I'm going to do it in reverse. You are. Yes. Okay. Cause I want us to have All right. the Mona Lisa and, and we're going to follow you. So you tell us what we're going to do first and then All we'll right. talk about the design process. So we're going to pick up, we're going to pick up our Pinot, our Riedel New World Pinot Noir glass, our Venom Exile glass. We're going to give it a little swirl. And the first thing I want us to do, we're going to focus on our nose real quick. And what people sometimes forget is that flavor is a combination of taste and aroma, all right? So the glass really must give us that message of aroma first before our palate has a chance. So when we put our nose in here, you know, the things we love about Pinot Noir are very evident Mm -hmm. here. Bright red fruit, beautiful oak. But I want you guys to make some sort of mental benchmarks as to as far as what aromas you're getting, the intensity of the aromas you're getting. And then one thing we're going to do tonight is at the seminar, and it always sounds silly, nose from the... The four quadrants of your glass, the right side, the left side, the top, and then the bottom. Because you'll find different aromas. I That's something I've learned. And different Today. intensities. The day's not wasted. I just learned something new. There you go. I hadn't known the four quadrants before. Yeah, it's, it's, it's silly and people snicker, but I'm just telling you, once they do it and they get that same experience, too, they're like, oh, wow, I really do get something different maybe on all four parts of the glass. I've done each nostril, you know, right. concentrating on each nostril because you do get different uh, things off of each nostril. Because but that's interesting. Again, one thing I've learned from the road over the years, we all have a dominant nostril, right. which, again, sounds right. funny, but it's true. All right, so we give this a big swirl. One more last big nose here. Mm. And then let's please taste. Very nice. And so, what did you get off the nose? Let's talk about that a little bit. Since we're reviewing the wine as well as the glasses, I get kind of a uh, almost a really dark raspberry. Exactly, kind of, of uh, kind of a kind of a that sort of a. Um, I, I agree. A dark fruit, maybe even like a a really dark blueberry, but mainly kind of a blackberry type. 
You know, but uh, but, I, but I, a fantastically deep. I I don't know. I'm a Pinot guy, Doug. I love them, but I love meaty ones. I yeah. don't like wimpy Pinots. Right. I like. I love some of the Oregon Pinots. That honestly, if you put them in a tasting. You'd have a little bit of trouble even kind of differentiating whether that's a Pinot or maybe that's a Cab. Cab yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I agree about the dark fruit, but I'm getting on the underneath a little bit of strawberry, and I don't really like strawberries. No, I'm I'm serious. What? No, what? Yeah, I was going to say you don't like strawberries. No, but I can smell. But I know what they smell like. I would agree with you. For a New World wine, this has got some earthiness to it. It does. It, it does. does. I'm feel. I'm. I'm smelling some soil on this. This is really bit. good. I, I, I've not had this eat before. I think it's no. cool. And neither one of us a brand new wine. No, no, we've never tried it. This so, is I mean, very good for, for me. Anyway, Pinot Noir is always this. Uh, I hate to say sometimes the word battle, but it's always this sort of conflict between fruit and soil, fruit yeah. and earth. So it definitely fits into exactly what you were just saying. Yeah. But no, this is very nice. Well, you can use you can use my quote, Doug, because I say that Pinot Noir is the O positive of of wines. There you go, because it goes it'll go with you know so many things. Yeah. It'll go with your fruit. It'll go with fish and you know uh, some some beef and, and chicken. This and, is very true. I I I heard Maximilian Riedel say one time in a tasting and. and uh, I asked him about this afterwards, and he said, did you like that? Because I just made that up on the spot. But it's true. He said, think about your Thanksgiving plate, all right? What's the one thing that touches everything on your Thanksgiving plate? It's the cranberry sauce, right? And yes. everything tastes good with a little cranberry sauce on it. Well, cranberry, red fruit, Pinot Noir. Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah. well, if you think you can make the connection there a little bit, I guess. But um, Pinot Noir is one of the, in my opinion, again, one of the most food-friendly pairing wines you can do. Right. I mean, even... Those I know everybody loves that big cab with their steak and maybe that Chardonnay with their crab legs, but uh, Pinot Noir, I think it ascends all. But batteries. that's the thing you can do both. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. I like that big cab with my steak too. Well, true, true. Yeah. You know what? I can drink that with my steak too. This there you is go. A, this is a really good Pinot. It is. it is. It is. I like it. So, so tell us what this glass, the uh, the Pinot Noir specific glass, is doing for this. Well, it's definitely showing us again. It's you know, there's this battle of fruit and earth, and we're getting both sides of it. All right, I, I, I don't want to give away too much, so we get to the next round. Okay. But um, w- before we do this, what I want you just just to hammer home how important this uh, idea of aroma is to our overall experience with wine. I want you to pinch your nose and take a sip of this wine while your nose is pinched. All right, and then reevaluate on your palate. Bon vivants, if you could see us all pinching our noses and taking a sip, we, it's kind of comical. We should have video on this one. Yeah. For me, when I'm what I always what always happens to me when I do this is when I do when I pinch my nose, I eliminate my sense of smell. The wine loses for me ninety percent of its, its alcohol. character. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you get I mean, the almost alco- all the alcohol I get off is of it is alcohol. Get. Bingo. That's right. Yeah. But did you notice that after you had that on your palate for a little bit and then you released your nose, even though you didn't have your nose in the glass, we had that fruit right. back on our palate. You know, this this process, George Riedel calls it retro olfaction. I want to I want to actually jump though All right. to the third glass. We're changing glasses, so we're going we're going for from the gorgeous, and we will have pictures of these on the website, Bobby Bonds. We're going from the gorgeous Riedel Pinot Noir glass down to the convention center plastic there you party go. cup, uh, and, and the, we and we put our nose in here, and what do we get? Or the unfortunate restaurant that would serve wine like which i have been to we we really? have all been to probably that it all came right, out so i get absolutely nothing Bingo. off of this off of the nose out of this. there is no Bingo. nose on there this is, at all. There is, no. There is no nose and, and here's the thing there's no architecture to this shape to do anything with aroma there is absolutely no way for this glass to pull any aroma we know there's wine in there all right and we will get a little bit of a preconceived um experience because we can see the wine but 
there's nothing. But the reason I love this glass, all right, and I really do, because when you go look at the world of wine glasses, all right, you go look at wine glasses that are currently made, made a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago, whatever, you're going to see this bowl shape very predominantly. Yeah. And it's oftentimes beautifully cut and decorated and wonderful etched stems and bases and gold and platinum bands. Well, we're seeing right now what a shape like this does for a, a really nice, well-made Pinot Noir. So right. when we taste from this, I'm going to go ahead and take a little. For me, very, very similar to my experience when I held my nose and drank out of the Rito glass. It's I, a strange I, you know, almost. I get a, it's I almost. Say, yeah. bitter, it's bitter. Yeah, it, it yeah. is. It does bitter. have bitterness to it. I get a little more fruit than when I held my nose, but not. But it's a a bitter aftertaste. It's and, yeah. And to it's the point, got a bite to it. Yeah. About the glass being the messenger, you know, let's point out, we didn't change this wine. We, no. I saw you, I will attach no, you no, poured the exact same wine, but two very different messages. This, is, right. a, this is almost a parlor trick. It, it, well, you it, know what? It, it honestly is a you, really great parlor <laughs> trick. But if you put these in, you know, if you said, okay, you know, the, the great Braddo here is going to change these two wines. It's the same wine, but it's in two glasses. And you and, and you gave them to somebody, they go, oh, wow, how did you do that? You know, it's so, uh, or, you know, when you, a lot of times when you go to a venue that's using this type of glass, quite often the house wines are not something that you would buy anyway. They're five or six dollar bottles and you're like, uh, and you drink it, it's like, yeah, well, guess well, what? Look, I, you put the best wine in there and it's still going to taste like crap out of this thing, so. People, people do one of two things. They enjoy wine or they use wine. I mean, I mean, to me, this is maybe if you're going to use wine. Or, wine. or they abuse well, wine. Well, they abuse, yeah. To me, that's on the use side. But. Which I think is abuse if you're putting let's, it in this cup. But let's leave yeah. my personal life out of this. But anyway, you know, the point, this shape, very predominant, shape that's been made for hundreds, if not thousands of years. But now we have our middle glass, right? And this just, actually... Just, just, just so a minute. Can, um, I'm, I'm so, not going to waste anything. Yeah, I'm pouring so, this so, into the so real glass. So are we glass. finished with this? Yeah. Because we are. Um, I'm not going to offend this wine yeah, anymore. Me either. Uh, well, yeah, you know, that's a very good point. So if we were sitting here with the winemaker and asking, well, what's the message you would want somebody who's going to invest in a bottle of this wine? What, what, what would you want them to get? Now, if you and I were sitting around drinking this wine and we didn't know what it was... We might think things like, boy, the guy that bought this wine really didn't spend a lot on wine or didn't really know his wine or really bought something. And this is what happens oftentimes when we have the wrong messenger. What do we do? We blame the wine. Right. Kept wrong, bought wrong, made wrong, whatever. When the wine is innocent in this process, it's the glass that has to be able to tell that story, the message. This middle glass, which is a real glass, I want to point out. Yeah. Well, this will go perfectly for our tasting today. But I, it is a different shape and size. And you and I were talking that you've worked this event. Mm-hmm. Um, Malfi, this yes. is the New Orleans Wine and Food Experience, which if any of you Bon Vivants uh, want to do a really great road trip and have absolutely one of the greatest days of eating and drinking it you is, will ever have in your life. Agreed. Yeah. I do, I've do. i done that event many times. I've done the Riedel Seminar there for years and years and years. But – so in the Riedel world, yes, we have varietal-specific stemware like our New World Pinot glass, but we also produce ranges of glassware that we call wine-friendly. In other words, a step up from this, our plastic cup, but not quite to here. So when we take this glass, give it a little swirl, and we put our nose in here, we can I – I get a little bit of fruit. I get a little bit of – you know, it's, it's more than the plastic exactly. cup. Exactly. But not as much as the – But it's not – 
What's the no. varietal glass? No, no, no. It's I, again. I, I use this. As a, it's a horrible metaphor, but if you're standing in front of the Mona Lisa, you have the choice of looking at it with no interruptions, or you have a paper towel tube. You can look at it through the paper towel tube. You're still <laughs> you seeing go. greatness, all right, but you're only seeing this much of it, right? Yeah. So this is what this glass does. And you know, George Riedel has said many times, uh, you know, a, a, a good, well-made wine will fight its way out of an inferior glass. <laughs> it's true. All right. Fight its way out. I love all these illusions. I do too. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we start to get a little bit better picture out of this glass yeah you know well and, and to his credit our bottle sponsor matt green out at barvino does use Riedel glasses in his establishment he does and it does make a big difference oh yes yeah. and even your taste people have, his patrons have come to expect it and i think you know maybe driving demand elsewhere it's like what do you mean you don't have Riedel glasses <laughs> well he's a smart man because you give him a good experience and a, a great product and a great price they will come back yeah. i'm sure both of you have been to wine events and you walk in and you immediately sort of cringe because you know the wines are good yeah. you know they're they're mm-hmm. going to be good but you wish they'd have taken as much time to think about what they're putting them in as they did Agreed. what they're curating yeah. absolutely it's it's the step that gets forgotten but the impact of not doing that can be of course we're all biased here but it can be devastating i mean really really it's the winemaker i think that suffers because sure you know you've all well, we've all talked to winemakers and when you talk to a winemaker about their wine it's like talking about one of their kids i mean it's oh, their yeah. baby it's very it's personal their, yeah. very it's personal their, you know their contribution to this world right and to have it be framed incorrectly, I think is a good way to put it. That uh, is is certainly they don't take it well. <laughs> yeah. Know? So that's in in a nutshell what the Rita wine glass tasting experience is. It is. Uh, we will uh, we'll post these three glasses and uh, let Bombi Bonds take a look at them. First of all, Doug, thank you for walking us through that. That was great. Yeah, that was that great. That was great. Now, I, I do, and I know Brad has some questions too. Let's talk about Riedel, the the company, for a little while. Um, you mentioned uh, the the age of the company and mm-hmm. sort of when the wine glass uh, phenomena came along as far as varietals. I want to know about some of the the design processes. We kind of skipped over that a minute ago. So tell us a little bit about you know who does that. How's the, where's the inspiration come from? That kind of thing. It, it, it's been winemaker driven. It's been uh, uh, the winemakers again. I mentioned earlier. Sometimes people think the Riedel company designs a shape, and they tell the world, you know, certain wines go out of this. And this is just not true. Um, as I alluded to earlier about this workshop we did with Norton, we had literally the brain trust of Norton in the room with us, and they are the ones. Whether they're making the wine, selling the wine, or writing about the wine, doesn't matter. They know what it should be. Or they know exactly what the aroma, the flavor, the mouthfeel, the look, everything should be. Mm-hmm. And so. You know, these workshops are designed to find that specific shape that presents that wine that way. So in the case of the Oregon Pinot Growers, where they developed this shape in conjunction with the Riedel family or the Norton glass, or we actually did another glass here in Missouri for Vignol. And we oh, had, yeah. yes, okay. and it was uh, about six, five, six years we did at Augusta Winery. Beautiful workshop. Okay. But it's a process that is continuous. I mean, I mean, the Riedels are working, had a chance to work on a bourbon glass project with them one time. Certainly these two wine glass projects, but I always hear about these other interesting projects. You know, one time I heard about they were working on a, a glass for Saparave and another project I remember they worked on was, um, but it was this really high elevation liqueur from Bolivia that, yeah. uh, I can't think of the name all of a sudden, but you know, things like this to find, and the people that are involved in this are the people that know exactly what the experience should be. So it's now a matter of the people that know the liquid combining with the people that know everything there is to know about glass to meet and find what works, what gives the correct message for whatever we're drinking. 
right. So that's sort of right. the, the wine glass process um, as far as varietal specific. I went to the website. Mm-hmm. Brad was telling me he had written down all the different lines. This mm-hmm. is unbelievable. So, so what are some of the things? I did not go to that much detail. I mean, you've got, but, the, you've got the Grand Master. You've got the Sommelier yes. line, 73. So the, the Sommelier I mean, yes, oh, introduced North oh, America in 73. Yes, yes, developed by Klaus Riedel in the late 1950s, but didn't come to North America in, in, until 1973. And you know what's funny about that glass? It was the Burgundy glass. You know, mm-hmm. you've seen it, the iconic. Uh, right. When that glass, in fact, if you watch uh, on YouTube, you can find videos. The Riedel family, Maximilian, calls that the mother of all wine glasses. And it's true. It really is what started sure. this idea sure. with the Riedel family. And the one that you are so careful to wash. Oh, oh, it's like I tell people, we'll make more. <laughs> I know you will. Yeah. But for those Bobby Bonds the out there, a bad day is breaking one of your Riedels. First of all, you don't yeah. break them. They... They explode. They explode and they shatter. shatter. Into I told my wife, I said, if you ever drop one of these and you're barefoot and you're in the kitchen, yell for me and I will come and pick you up Run and, the take, other way. and yeah. take you yeah. out because it speaks to the quality of the gr- – yeah, that's what I'm it saying. It speaks to the quality of the – the process and the materials that are in the glass, but it, they explode into shards, microscopic <laughs> shards of of glass, and uh, it like, is a bad day when like you break Christmas one. Christmas tree needles. You'll yeah. find them for the, for the next year. So yeah. what's one of the most recent? But I think you guys just introduced a new line, didn't you, recently? We, did. or? we introduced a, a range called Veloce. Veloce, okay. Which, with Mike, and it is oh, absolutely right, cool. gorgeous. It's designed to be extremely light. So there's sort of two different families of wine glass. Uh, within Riedel as far as design. There's the egg-shaped designs, which Venom, Venom XL, Performance, um, i trying to think off the top of my head, Wine Series. Then there's our what we call diamond shape, like our extreme pattern, our heart right, to heart. And this right. new pattern called Veloce is based on uh, a diamond uh, shape. So at the end of the day, the varietal-specific glasses do the same thing, mm-hmm. but visually they have a different sort of construct yeah. to them. Yeah. So, yeah, tonight will be... The uh, egg shape is going to be what Bon Vivants are going to think of as more traditional. Yes. And then... I, I, they'll know, you know, one one has a harder, almost a, 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 like you said, a diamond, and one seems to be flatter on the bottom before it takes. Well, no, this up. is a new. That's a new pattern called Wine Wings. Okay, All and right. Wine Wings actually is interesting. It's it's a marriage of our traditional sort of egg shape based bowls, Venom uh, Venom XL, uh, before based, and George Riedel designed it with a very flat bottom. To okay, it. so the top. Right. It's funny nobody recognizes this in the glass until I point it out. But basically, the top two thirds of the glass is our traditional bowl shape. Veritas, Venom, whatever, added to this flat bottom, yeah. which allows for more aeration. Um, you know, we play with the wine a little bit more. It's, just, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a design. It's, it's a beautiful glass, too. But it's very, it is, and it's very functional. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've still... The, the the bad thing about Wine Wings was we introduced Wine Wings. I'll never forget. It was January of 2020. So we're just kicking oh. this off, and we all know what happens. <laughs> yeah. You know, two months later, Nothing the world good. shuts down. Yeah. Timing so, is everything. So for the last 2021 and still 22, we're still introducing Wine Wings. But what was really interesting about Wine Wings is all of a sudden, around the world, the sommelier started posting with this glass on social media. So it sort of had this, uh, without us really doing a whole lot to market it or get it out there, it had this sort of almost self-sustaining marketing that was happening by wine fans who had found the glass one way or the other, loved it, posted, and then people started 
asking. We started getting letters and, you know, but anyway, that's, that, that's an interesting, but so Veloce is the newest wine wings was just before Veloce, but okay. we're constantly introducing these new patterns. You know, we have a whole new cocktail glass range, which I was is going to ask you about yeah. that. You're just not for wine anymore. No, we you've are got not. the, uh, you've got the glassware specific, uh, line, which is, uh, Drink everything from highballs to just about anything. Yeah. And people think, well, how can a glass be specific to a cocktail? Well, it's really interesting. George Riedel partnered with this mixologist named Zane Harris off the East Coast and has this whole long involved story about how they got together. But basically what Zane Harris uh, was telling George Riedel was that nobody has taken the idea or the process that you've used to design varietal specific glassware to the cocktail world mm-hmm. and so, you know well so zane harris and, and george riedel designed these glasses where um they, you know they're designed to bring light into the cocktail they're designed to fit you know our popular two inch ice cubes they don't stick above the glass now don't hit your nose um you know uh, a sour glass that allows for you know this beautiful meniscus across the top of the i mean all these little technical things that nobody thinks about but all of them add up to the experience right. all right that you get out of drinking out of one of our glasses so that's been a, a fun new range and people also forget our spirit specific glasses we have an amazing reposado tequila glass a single malt scotch glass that was designed by a group of distillers or with a group of distillers in isla or isla or how you want to say it mm-hmm. um our, our cognac glass was designed in conjunction with the Hennessy family because when we think about cognac, what do you think? You think that great big snifter. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. guess what that does? It funnels alcohol, the alcohol cannon, right to your nose. And anytime you have this sort of um, overexposure to alcohol, it deadens your sense of smell. It deadens. So they wanted a glass that dissipated the alcohol burn, but allowed for people to really dig into the florals and the fruits and things yeah. like this. So anyway, as you can tell, I can go on and on. But well, uh, that's all right. It's our we, process. Here's here's the good news. We will post and hashtag all the Riedel websites and social media things uh, on our uh, website and podcast and, and all that. So the Bon Vivants can go and research and find that all for themselves. Sure. Brad, any other questions about yeah. Riedel itself? Yeah, I've got some questions. So – Back in 1756 and the 200 years since, what other products, glass products, then did Riedel, Riedel produce, and and where? Where are you manufacturing the, the glasses today? Well, right now we have our factories in in Germany, uh, Bavaria. That's where our machine made products come from, and then our handmade products come from our factory in Kufstein, Austria. So that's been fairly consistent um, since World War Two. But the Riedel family, you know, they were always, like, I've seen these videos recently where they were uh, going through some old Riedel factories and finding buttons and beads and things that were made of glass, um, you know, uh, plates and bowls. And there's a beautiful new museum at our factory in Kufstein that if you're ever, oh, ever going to go, please oh, let me man, know. I will, I'd love to see that. I will okay. set you up. All right. But um, the other thing I found out, too, over the years was that I guess the Riedel family became very proficient and well-known for being able to produce colored glass, all right, oh, for wow. stained glass windows or jewelry or yeah. whatnot. So, um, yeah, I mean, again, that's why I say that, uh, and even the Riedels will say on their on their uh, videos, that wine glasses are a fairly recent direction for the company, especially varietal-specific wine glasses. Right. But for a lot of years, yes, they produce glasses in, 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 as well as goods for the home and industrial. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing, too, I found fascinating, when you, when you dig into the Riedel story, too, they became very much entrepreneurs in the marketing of glass and the shipment of glass and being able to open up really a worldwide market where nobody else was doing this at the time. So, Okay, so you mentioned something that I have on my list. I used to be in the shipping transportation industry. 
this is, I think, admittedly a fragile product. Who develops packaging, shipping techniques, logistics to make sure you're not losing so much in breakage, but you're still getting it to your end user? It's funny because I get this question from our retailers all the time. And I think when you spend time with our product, you will see right away when you unbox a real glass, we we spend an inordinate amount of money developing packaging. Not, yeah. not just not just uh, safe packaging, but we're very um, very green in our package production. In fact, the Riedel family has won many awards on their on their design and the process that they're green compliant. But um, I always tell people nothing's going to stop a forklift, but uh, all of our all of our boxes, you know, they're drop tested, sure, they're designed sure. extremely well. Yeah, uh, as yeah. far as how they hold the glasses in place. Um, but yeah, in fact, uh, really, I, I've seen people copy our designs on packaging, but really, I've not seen anybody else out there that has better packaging. I know when I got my first couple of sets of uh, Venom XL at the wine glass tasting. I stored them in their boxes because it was the safest place for them. It's a great way to Those do it. Great. You know, I Those didn't, boxes are I just didn't fantastic. put them in a cabinet. Any, you know, no. I take them out of the cardboard and the little folding. The only thing I'll tell sponge. people about that cardboard, that cardboard is it'll go right to the bone. If you're not careful, it's race. Yeah, it is sharp. <laughs> it is sharp. But that was, you know, in, those glasses inside that packaging on my shelf was much safer Secure. than in a cabinet. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You bet. You yeah. Bet, so. yeah. What brought uh, Doug Reed to Riedel? <laughs> yeah. Well, it was an interesting sort of cir- set of circumstances. So I uh, graduated uh, college in 1988, and I went to work for a company that was a marketing company for – kind of specialized in what we call the tabletop industry, so China Crystal Silver. And basically, I was a sales rep for this company and did that for quite a while. And at some point along the way, my wife and I bought the company. And shortly after that, I was approached by uh, Riedel uh, to be their independent rep in the Midwest, Missouri, Kansas, Nebraska, uh, Iowa, I think. And I knew the line, uh, was very interested, took it on, did extremely well with it. <laughs> in fact, blew their business <laughs> up. And one day I got a call from Maximilian Riedel and said, hey, would you ever consider going to work for me directly? And it's like, well, okay, let's have a couple more conversations. But long story short, it was a good move for me you and said, my family. Let me so. think about it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, pretty much closer to that than my story. <laughs> yeah, it was a great opportunity and, and, uh, exciting. It's proven to have been the right choice. So, good. uh, it's good. a, it's a fun job. It's a great product. I mean, y- you know, you're dealing with something. Other companies can call a glass, their burgundy glass, their Bordeaux glass, their cab glass, whatever. None of them have gone through the same process to vet that statement right. that the Riedel family has. And so for me, it's a unique, it's a, it's a unique value proposition that you can offer. And it's certainly something that people know. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful brand. I, I love being the Riedel guy. <laughs> oh, no kidding. You're making something that makes people happy. Exactly. No and kidding. so when you check out, we all check out, you know, we think, did I do something that was worthwhile? Brought joy to someone. And brought yeah. joy to someone. Yeah. And you've done that. Exactly. So that's, at the end of the day, what's better than that? Oh, I well, agree. And, and you get to drink wine on a pretty I regular do basis. get to drink wine on a pretty <laughs> regular basis. Suck. Well, and Doug, you can tell you're passionate about it. And as a, as a salesperson myself, you got to believe in what you're selling and be Absolutely. passionate about it. Or it's, it's, it's the only a, way I can do it. It's a chore every day to get up and go to work. So, um, Agreed. Yeah. To think about a family-run business that has gone 11, 11 generations, generations is wow. a mind blower. No when kidding. the saddest thing I think in this country is the fact that you're just not seeing generational uh, companies anymore. If you could get, if you can get 
you know, Grandpa started the the company, and yeah. then Dad. But I'm I, two to I, three, I, is yeah, three, three is about it. Three to three is about they, all they you teach get. in business school. Three generations is usually yeah, about, that's it. about it. About yeah. it. So, so it's, that is quite an quite an achievement. Yeah. yeah. So I yeah. think it's I well, think it's amazing. And I was telling Brad before the show, I'm I'm on Instagram a lot, and Max is active on Instagram, <laughs> yes. and I mean he's active on the platform, but he's active on his post. He's surfing and water skiing and pouring wine and yeah. handing glasses back and forth and throwing glasses. He's catching. He's he's quite the uh, quite the entertainer on Instagram. He is, and I and, enjoy and his. I enjoy following him. When people make the connection that I work for Riedel, you know, whether we've met or not before, they always bring that up. Say, oh, yeah. I follow Max on on, yeah. on Instagram. Yeah. He, he's fun. Life. He's fun thinking, to watch. Yes, it's, and it's guess what? That's be. all true. Yeah, no, it's I get good it. to be Max. Well, it's you good can, to be you Max. know, it, it sounds silly, but you can see his passion and what he does in, in the, those posts. Absolutely, they're fun, and but you know he. He's he's a believer, you it's, know. It's genuine. Yeah, it is. It is it's very genuine. Very genuine. All right, good discussion. But now the time in the show where we go to the three top picks. And so we didn't stretch too far for this one based on who you are and what you do. But I think it's going to be fun. The more I thought about it, the more fun I thought we could have with it. So today's three top picks category is three top settings in which to enjoy a nice glass of wine. We can go a couple of directions with this, and I actually did. By settings, it could be a location, a locale, someplace you visited, or it could be a situ- it could be situational also. Um, but Doug, here's how we do it: you get to start, but we'll do one at a time. Okay. And we'll go around. We'll do honorable mentions, and uh, if we can't keep it to, to three, you can throw another one in there, and uh, that's the way we'll do it. So, but but yeah, tell us why. Why did you pick it? So, what's your first one? You know, it's funny. A lot of people assume that I'm a wine guy because I work for Riedel. And I have come to enjoy wine, but I wasn't always a wine guy. I mean, it was, there's a lot of beer in there, a lot of bourbon. I mean, <laughs> to get to where I'm at. What's your point? But, yeah. But I, I specifically remember the very first glass of wine that I had. It was right after I got married. My wife and I had picked a bunch of wines because we thought we should have some wine in the house. So we did. And uh, it was a 1988 Rufino Ducali. Sangiovese, basically. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely fell in love with that wine. So I would say that for me, that being the really first time where I really paid attention to what I was drinking. And it was so sad because um, I remember when I couldn't find that particular wine anymore. Yeah. I never quite had that same experience. And again, I'll be honest, this is before I knew about glasses. This is sure. before I knew about all the things I know now. So well, We call that your aha moment. Your aha moment. Came to I'll never forget that. that and a lot of people don't have them. Do you know, no. a lot of people that are in the wine industry say, I don't really have that one, you know, it's, it was a cumulus kind of, sort of a thing. Yeah. And then others say, oh, it was, you know, Doug Frost, you know, that we talked to said, this is, this was it, man. I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. There you go. You know? and yeah. so, um, well, my first pick is, uh, it is a certain day, uh, a memory of a certain day. And it was a few years ago, um, my siblings and our spouses went on a Rhine River cruise with my dad. And dad at the time was uh, not in the best of health, but he's, he's great now, but, but he uh, didn't go on all the excursions and we would kind of take turns staying with him on the boat. And so one day it was the part of the Rhine River cruise where it was castles 
and they map out a section of the Rhine that is just lined on both sides of the river with these medieval castles, and they give you a little map, and if you don't go on the shore excursion and tour them, you can sit on the top deck of the boat and just kind of cruise, and and they often have vineyards going up the hillside. And so I stayed with Dad that day, and we just sat on the top deck of the the boat and cruised and watched castles and vineyards and enjoyed a glass of wine and the you know the it was it was fall but it was warm and the you know it was sweater weather and the the sun was shining and it was just glorious sounds amazing i think one of my most memorable days of just enjoying a glass of wine cruising down the rhine river looking at medieval castles and yeah (laughs) You and I think all of my, I told my, uh, I told everybody after they got back on the boat, I said, you guys really missed it. You know, you, you might have been in the castle, but I got to see them all from the river. So, you know, that's pretty good. Yes, it is. <laughs> kind of hate to follow I'm, with that. I've got more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> thanks. Uh, mine's more personal. Um, I actually, uh, right out there on my back deck is, yeah. is, is a place that I've met with all my friends on a beautiful night we don't have when when the trees are out there we really don't have any neighbors you don't see anybody else out there and so we flip the tiki torches on and uh sit out there and sometimes everybody brings a a bottle that they haven't tried or something that they love and um you know wine is a very communal and a very personal thing to me uh i think it's it's okay if you want to crack one open by yourself every now and then, but it's a whole lot more fun when you got a lot more people. Absolutely, and uh, and, and pre and especially uh, some of the friends that you know Keith and I have with Mike and, and Jim and some of these, they love the appreciation of what is in the glass. Yeah, and uh, and Your the glass deck, itself, of course, Doug. <laughs> Your deck yeah. is a great place to sit and drink wine. It's, I agree. It's, it's pretty nice. good. The it's, old the old tiki deck is is yeah. kind of a fun place to go yeah, out there. Is. Very, Yours is very, too. Very yeah. yeah. So. All right, so number two. So number two. So I remember um, one of my first trips to Napa Valley. This is probably eight, nine, ten years ago. And I have a very good friend who I got to know through Riedel, who was working with Riedel at the same time I started. And she has now moved on. She's She works for Philippe Malka, one of the big uh, rock stars right now in Napa. Sylvie Lully is her name. And she's very French, and she's very, a lot of fun. And she was giving my wife and I this beautiful guided tour of Napa. But we stopped one day at Tamales Bay. Uh, a couple bottles of her wine, uh, I think a bottle of uh, Bilicar Salmon, and these fresh oysters coming right out of the bay. <laughs> and, and we picked up like two amazing cheeses from Calgary Creamery there. And it was just one of those blue ribbon, yeah. 69 degree, no wind days. Uh-huh. And we sat and ate oysters and drank champagne and, and uh, ate bread and cheese and talked and had one of the most beautiful afternoons I've ever spent in my life on this planet. So wow. That, uh, that, that, uh, yeah, definitely in the top. It sounds like a, that sounds like a sideways day, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, they just had the perfect the perfect day. No Somewhere kidding. in this phone, I've got a picture of that too. And I, I've, I've, there's about half a dozen of my thousands of pictures. I keep thinking one of these days, I've just got to have you know yeah. blown up into a frame that's print gorgeous. to go in my bar, and, and it's one of them. But uh, yeah, that was definitely one. Yeah. That's pretty good. But I am not drinking Merlot. But I'm not drinking Merlot. <laughs> All right. So my second one, I'm actually going to uh, piggyback a little bit on what you said, Brad, because. My second one was with friends. And it really, certainly the venue and the setting can help. But what we've learned, uh, Brad said it, I actually had it written down, it's communal. Wine is communal. The other thing that I have learned about wine lovers, wine drinkers are very, very generous. Tend to be very, very generous. And we love sharing, sharing. wine. We love 
bringing wine together and sharing things we haven't had. And um, even in a, a restaurant at a table next to a, this happened just last week. Uh, met a gentleman at the adjacent table. We had two different kinds of wine. He commented that he'd never had mine. I just asked the waiter to bring a little tasting glass. And I gave him a taste, and he gave me a taste of his. Unprompted. Nobody asked for it. It was just one of those things that, you know, I, I just love sharing wine with friends, no matter where you're at. And I'll throw in my honorable mention that goes with this, and that is that I really love wine paired with food of some kind. I think uh, we drink wine without food all the time. I have no problem with that, but I think pairing it with some food usually enhances it. So, Takes it to the level. Yeah. When you travel with Mr. Inlow, Doug, you will eat well. <laughs> we don't do McDonald's hey, when we go out with... I didn't get this body. <laughs> I'm right there with without, you. Yeah. <laughs> you think this happens overnight? No. So my a lot second, of work put into this. My second one is a destination, and it's one that comes to mind. But uh, Mr. Inlow and a group of uh, folks will be going down to Key West on Monday, and um, one of the one of the times we went down there, we just I had a glass of wine and we sat on a bench at, at Mallory Square, and nowhere on the planet do they celebrate. A sunset like they do in Key West. I mean, you've got artists that come out, you've got the crazies, you've got the Buffett wannabes, you've got everybody comes out, but it is a celebration of the end of the day, which I think is kind of a beautiful thing that we sort of, sort of forget. But when you've got one of the greatest potential sunsets that you've ever seen ever in your life i've heard you know and it was, it was like in uh go forest gump and god showed up there you oh go. man and, and i'm hoping you never know from one night to the next it can be a little different there could be a cloud you know a hundred miles down there on the horizon that kind of screws things up or you get the uh the proverbial green, green flash, flash. I which I've never really, yeah. which I've, I don't know that I've ever seen it, but I've gotten, it's gotten close. But yeah. anyway, I'm you, you could sit there and, and just, it's, it's just a beautiful, beautiful spot. I've heard of friends who have been there and seen that and they talk about it in the same way you do. So I know it's, has to be ethereal. That's for sure. I, I've never seen it, but it's on it's my gonna list. It's going to be my first oh, trip. The, so I'm looking forward to yeah, it. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be beautiful. I yeah. can't wait. And we're, we're taking one of the cruises out, one of the booze cruises. Uh, we'll probably be drinking wine out of these. Yeah. Just, just so you, we might have to drink rum that night. <laughs> we may have to, have like to, the there, we right? may yeah. have to go pirate on that one. Yeah. So anyway, yep. All right. Mallory Doug, Square. Number three. So number three is sort of a conglomerate of some things because I will tell you that um, one of the – I don't want to say it's a perk, but one of the things that happens sort of organically when you work for the Riedel family, you get to drink – Amazing wines. <laughs> I mean, these uh, Maximilian Riedel and George Riedel, and and something you said earlier too. Uh, they they would absolutely agree with you and dovetail onto your conversation about wine is for sharing because they are unbelievable in that regards, and they bring the most amazing wines. And it's fun because myself and there's only three or four of us, you know, in the country that are doing this. You know, we're always secretly, oh my gosh, what are we drinking? You know, we're looking, <laughs> or or it's or it's some huge, you know, nine liter or twelve, oh, just yeah. gigantic yeah. bottle that you know and so in fact i tried for a long time to keep track of all of the different vineyards and all the different um uh, vintages we drank and you know the the barolos from the 60s 
PhDs in the, I mean, just incredible wines that George Riedel, you know, he can get up and he can talk about these wines as if he made them because he knows everything about everything there is to know about where it was done and how it was done and who the winemaker was and his third cousin. And, you know, I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. But that adds such a, an amazing element to the wine. And then when you get to sit around and talk about wine in a, and not in a braggadocious way, but almost in a, in a, I, I just want you to know this because I feel so fortunate that I was able yeah. to have yeah. this wine and, um, yeah. So I would say that again, that's sort of a lot of experiences rolled into one, but yeah. it's very true. They're, they're extremely generous with their wine collection when we all get together. Uh, oh, I can't imagine. Oh, I no. just can't. I, oh. I'm just, I'm just sitting here speaking of a green flash. I'm having that. That's about as jealous as I could get. Well, cause that's that, cause you've got to have not only that with, with, with Max and the family. You know, there's so much history there. There is. I mean, you know, he knows, like you said, he knows everybody from Chateau, whatever, <laughs> the blank, yeah. all the way back to, you know, that would just be to me just to sit down with him and, you know, okay, we did this one time. We said, who would you like to sit down and have a glass of uh, a beer or, or a glass yeah, of wine with wine. famous yeah. people? Yeah. Max, Max Mille, might have to be on my list. That might no, yeah. may, may yeah. make the list. He could probably make the, I bet the top of the list. Yeah. I bet he's got a story for just about about everything well no georgia's but but doug you're also right and i think at least i can i think i can speak for brad on this we like learning about wine too so when you do experience wine with someone who can who can educate you and elevate your knowledge level that makes it even much that much more absolutely to me well we we had a chance to talk to doug frost i mean it was it was a highlight for us i mean we were we we managed to not geek out too bad but you (laughs) know i'm not so sure about that i'm not sure so about that either but (laughs) keith and i said uh all right well we're just going to let this roll and as long as he wants to talk that's as long as it's going to be so we did a two-parter but uh you've probably been around doug Mm -hmm. and he is just as I mean, well, he he's a bon so, vivant too. He's a he's an arts lover. He's a I mean, theater guy his, his interests and, go way beyond. He's he's got a degree in theater and he's a movie guy and that kind of thing. Music, so we have a lot of shared interests. But if but he's anybody a on this planet has a right to be the most pompous wine ass on the planet, he does, and he it is, is not exactly <laughs> the, he's the farthest thing from that. He is yeah. the sweetest, totally funniest yeah. guy. We had most unpretentious. We had so much fun. Yeah. We got to do that one again. We, are, we yeah, got to yeah. find him again. Pull him out of Walla Walla. And, yeah. Well, or go to yeah, Walla Walla would be my answer that. to that. Let's do that. All right, my third one is a little bit off. Uh, it, I thought I thought Brad might go this direction, but he he didn't, and that's fine. But my third one is um, I have a fire pit in my backyard, and we often entertain around the fire pit. But I'm I'm not Smokey the Bear, but I am conscious of not leaving a fire pit burning. And I am a late nighter anyway, so after everybody goes to bed or leaves or whatever, I will stay up with the fire pit, and I usually have my bluetooth speaker there with music on it and i you know i'm i'm part of the band so i sing along and i'm out where i don't disturb anyone no matter how i sound so but i love to sit and watch the fire tend the fire as it dies down with a glass of wine just by myself it's very it's time for some reflection and introspection and usually i'm a couple of glasses if not bottles in and so it's you know it's just one of my favorite times to enjoy a glass of wine i've, I've been and there I'm, myself i may be a bit of a fire bug anyway but i really like watching the flames and the oxygen move through the logs oh, and the coals it, it, it's 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 very peaceful it's very relaxing so i would i would have to say my fire pit by myself 
Okay. Well, that's pretty good. I enjoy the camaraderie while it's there, but at the end of the night, when I'm out there by myself. Get to who, who are you yeah. singing along with, though? Uh, you know, uh, I'm a 70s rock, country rock. Eagle, Eagles is my favorite. So, you know, southern rock, country rock, singer-songwriter, folk, John Prine, that kind of thing. There you go. Because we we had a Pinot Noir, um, Brenda and I went out a few years back and took a little uh, tour around Willamette Valley. In Oregon, we went to a vineyard that had a book written about it, a very interesting book, because it was a month in the life of the vineyard. So it was written by chapter, January, February, March, and you uh, you got an incredible history uh, but you also got to know everybody at the vineyard just like they were character, uh, characters in the book. And you felt like after you read the book, I have to go there. I have to go see these people. So it's the Lang vi- Vineyard. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the Langs. But uh, they just popped out a 95 um, last on the 2019 vintage. So nice. they've uh, – yeah, they have they make some beautiful uh, pinots up there as yeah, they, they do, do in the – as they tend to do in the Willamette Valley. That's true. Uh, yeah. So um, they had just finished putting together a, a new uh, tasting room and a new patio area. And this patio looked out down the valley – and Brenda and I sat there and had a bottle of Lang uh, in the middle of the afternoon, and uh, it was a religious experience. Yeah. It was just it was there was a, not too many, there was one other table with a couple people there. It was just us, and it was just it was just a beautiful beautiful afternoon with a fantastic bottle of wine. So yeah, they are. Uh, Brad introduced me to Lang Pinot Noirs, and they are outstanding. Uh, Doug, you'll recognize them. Their labels all have different. They're they're big into trout fishing, fly oh. fishing. So their labels all have like different varieties of tied flies on okay. them that are the labels themselves are works of art. Oh wow! I, yeah. I might have to go in and find you one. Yeah, that, I've got that several. Might be appropriate, I think I that think. would be appropriate. Yeah, I think that'd be appropriate. Uh, well, I mean, he gets a hat too. He gets one of the one of the most cherished things on the planet for podcasts is the this we is, li- cool is the is the we like that too hat. This so, is a cool hat. The, hat you know. the hat's nice, but I <laughs> but, think it would be appropriate that maybe uh, I'll uh, I'll go in there and see if we can find one <laughs> for you. This has been this awesome. has been great fun. This we can't thank so you enough for for being here. I know we are kind of interrupting your workflow, but. You were generous enough to spend a little time with us. and Thank you so much. This is right. a lot of fun. Okay. And in case we forget, Bon Vivants, would you please go and share and download because that's how we grow. And, and, and rate and review. And rate and review. Write some reviews. Write yeah. some reviews. Yeah. Uh, preferably really, really good ones. Send some emails and tell <laughs> us what you're drinking. Tell us what you want to hear. We yeah. would love to hear. Uh, we get we get comments every once in a while. and. uh We'd love to hear what you want us to do. Teaser alert. We will be returning to the music world, a very special show that we are very, very excited about. And that's all I'm going to say about that. That's how you do a teaser. That's right. All right. All right. Hey, buddy. Yes. Here we go. Cheers. One, two, three. Cheers. Don't those, aren't those pretty? Sound gorgeous. (laughs) That's a real glass, folks. See you, Bobby Vance. Bye bye. We Like That Too is produced as a labor of love for the enjoyment of Bon Vivants everywhere. To get information about our bottles and links to our guests, go to our website, welikethatpodcast.com. Tune in to new episodes by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, and other popular streaming apps. Please remember to rate, review, and share. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook 
at We Like That Podcast. So everybody, hey, remember the numbers. One bottle, two good friends, and three top picks because we We like like that that too. We like that too. We like that too. We like that too. We like that too.